1: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. This is Chris. I'm here with Justin and we have a special guest, Mr. John Yelland of Judicator. Um, we talked about their, uh, album from 2015 at the expense of humanity on our last episode. It was a, uh, it was a request and, uh, I speak for both myself and Justin in saying that we were very pleased that that was a request because it was something that Uh, gave us reason to sit down and really kind of dig into this album that neither one of us were super familiar with and we both ended up really enjoying it so with that uh, john welcome to the metal exchange and thank you for joining us
0: absolutely Um, i'm really happy to be here and i think this is uh, going to be a really interesting conversation
1: I'm thrilled thrilled to be speaking to somebody whose uh, time difference is only within two or three hours rather than like six or seven or eight has been the case with some of our European friends. (laughs) So uh, uh, are you in Arizona? No, I'm
2: in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Um, Justin, go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah, I I
2: just, uh, you know, it's funny, um, some of these, some of these interviews have, have gone on in really odd hours for somebody, whether it was very, very early in the morning over there or the middle of a work day, don't tell anyone over here, whatever the case may be, but <laughs> yeah, it is a real pleasure. Uh, and, and before we kind of dive deep into uh, into the album, why don't you talk a little bit about kind of the making of the band and how this all came together? Because, um, you know, it was all new to us until we really dove in this week um, for different reasons, but um, it was it was just an absolute pleasure to, to really dive deep into this album, but I want to go back even before at the expense and and really kind of get into the formation of the band.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I I would say it was somewhat um, serendipitous just because um, the band was founded by Alicia Cordisco and myself, and the roots of the band go back to when we met in 2010 at a Blind Guardian concert in tempe arizona i believe it was um her and i met outside waiting for uh the band i guess i didn't really know what i was doing i just kind of came down super early i just had nothing else to do i figure i'll just wait outside of the venue maybe i'll catch a glimpse of the band loading uh up or going to or from the venue or something. I don't know, but uh I ended up meeting Alicia Cordisco because she showed up around like three o'clock or something really, really early too. And uh, we just ended up <clears throat> hanging out, talking, whatnot. And uh, we just exchanged information and we um, actually, uh, Alicia Cordisco has a long um, relationship, long running relationship with Seven Kingdoms, another, another power metal band. And they were on tour with Blind Guardian at the time, and so uh, we were actually invited by them to come back and watch the Blind Guardian sound check, and we got kicked out. <laughs> yes, yes once, yes. once they found out we didn't have a uh, a backstage pass or anything, they were like, "You have to go." And I was like, "Bye, bye, Blind Guardian. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll see you again someday." And uh, as fate would have it, we we ended up doing just that Um, I ended up developing my own sort of um, uh, I I guess friendship would be um, accurate. Not like we're best buddies, but you know, I I would say that I'm friends with Hansi Kirsch and um, especially the drummer Frederick. Um, But yeah, anyway, so uh, Alicia and I exchanged information. We were Facebook friends for a couple years and then uh, she had uh, this material, this album that she was kind of just sitting on and I forget how it happened, but she just asked me if I would be interested in doing an album with her. And so we created this little project called Judicator. And uh, the album, we had we had no expectations when we put it out. But when we did put it out, it was pretty well received uh, to such an extent that We decided, hey, maybe we should do another one. So the very next year, I think it was, we put out Sleepy Plesso. And uh, that gained enough interest that we figured maybe we should just turn this into an actual full-fledged band. And that's when uh, Jordan Elsess came in as drummer. Uh, He and Alicia have a very long... Uh, relationship as well they had been together since high school maybe junior high if I remember right but years in any case and so the band's been trucking along ever since nice I, I have to I have to ask were, were you um, singing
2: either professional or semi-professionally before that or was it something that kind of just started as a, as a fan and, and and just realized I have an amazing voice to go along with your fandom?
0: Um, I will say that while I have natural artistic inclinations, I don't think of myself as one of those people who is just blessed with a good voice. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, a- any good vocals I have, I think, are just attributed to uh, either hard work or just a, a refusal to stop. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> um, that's I, the
2: best combination, right? A <laughs> little bit of yeah. both,
0: maybe. I mean, I know I'm not the most talented vocalist out there, but uh, I'll be damned if I'm not one of the ones who uh, I'm never going to stop. I just I've had a taste of what this is like to express yourself and explore yourself and the world through music, and so whether I'm doing it in a metal band or just any any artistic way like i i can't live without it it's like an organ in my body sounds really pretentious and like artsy fartsy but i've had stretches where i'm not doing anything creative or expressive and it feels like like uh it, it feels like my soul is becoming like flabby or something like i like i'm not exercising that muscle in the body you know what i'm saying
2: I, totally, I totally get it. Was this your first um, band, per se, or did you have other projects before this?
0: Yeah, I, I started in a little band called Shadowseer, and that was fine. There's some good stuff in there, you know, as good as an 18, 19-year-old can produce with no experience in production or anything like that. So you can find those songs online. They're fine. Um, but then, then I went on to join, uh, dysphoria and that is where I started getting my, uh, footing a little bit better. Uh, I think you can tell I started growing as a vocalist more than I took on actual vocal instruction and, uh, yeah, then, then I eventually started, uh, judicator with Alicia and that project became my main band. Did you find that your
1: vocal stylings, um, I to me, I, my first thought is he sounds kind of like Hansi. Um, like, was that something that you found that you sounded like, or was that something that you tried to emulate? Was it a little bit of both? Um, I don't, because I don't want to say that it's like a copycat. It just sounds like it's a more of like a inspired by um how, how did that? How did that voice kind of come to be? Like, uh, was it I sound like Hansi, or I want to sound like Hansi? Uh,
0: I'm kind of glad that uh, you're phrasing this the way that you are, because that tells me that I have been successful in what I've been trying to do. I started out as essentially a Bruce Dickinson clone, as I was learning how to sing, and then when I really started getting into Being a singer uh, myself, like for a band, um, falling in love with Blind Guardian, I became a Hansi Kirsch clone. I wasn't doing a very good job at it, but I was trying. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I I think, you know, it's the process that every musician goes through. Um, Imitation is the highest form of flattery, they say. And so I started out doing a lot of imitating. And as I became better at my own craft, my own art, um, I wanted to find my own voice. I wanted to not be a Bruce Dickinson or Hansi Kirsch clone. Now, I'll say there are things that Hansi Kirsch does and that Bruce Dickinson does, more so Hansi Kirsch, that are just tools in the tool belt, so to speak, that really resonate with me and that I just really like. Um, that sort of distorted kind of friction thing that Hansi Kirsch does with his voice. That's just something I really like to do. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be a comparison between Hansi Kirsch and I, um, but I, I think it's helped by the fact that I like his, his voice and mine just don't sound similar we we have different timbres different tones uh my voice is a little bit nasally or something and his is more deep and baritone anyway yeah yeah it's
2: interesting because i listened to somebody like jens carlson who obviously Mm -hmm. was with savage circus or persuader and it's not that right it's not i don't want to use the word clone but there is a real similarity there whereas uh with you guys with you two it's more of um you can hear elements uh Certainly, it resonates, especially in certain phrases and certain songs. But at the same time, it's not throughout the entire course of you know the album. So I, I want to draw that distinction because I think it's I think it's apt.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that that does my heart good too because I'm I'm a big fan of Savage Cir- Savage Circus and uh, Persuader. Um, but yeah, I definitely see what you're saying.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure,
0: for
1: sure. Um, beyond, I guess- beyond the. Oh, go ahead, Justin. No, please go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say beyond the the vocal style. Um, what were some of your like early um, inspirations as far as uh, music goes? Just as far as like the the overall sound of of, of the music. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely a um, like we found that there were things that were akin to blind guardian or even demons and wizards at certain points, but it's definitely not like, again, not like you're trying to be one of these bands. It's just clear that they've inspired you, but clearly there's other inspirations as well. Like who were some of those kind of growing up that, that other bands that really just uh, were, were big for you, big influences.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, so Alicia left the band in 2020 And so this new album that we have produced, which has not yet been released is totally new territory. Um, Mm. So I have up until this point had no involvement or very, very minute involvement in the actual music side of the band. Rather I've been um, basically in control of the lyrics, uh, a heavy hand with the concept and sometimes the track listing Um, so, I mean, I, I can answer the question, but it doesn't really pertain to Judicator in terms of the music. Um, as far as bands and artists who have really shaped me over the years, I would say, um, definitely Iron Maiden, definitely Blind Guardian, Gamma Ray, Halloween. Um, but also one of the bigger ones has been David Bowie. Um, his more experimental work with like, uh, the album called Outside, um, is like, I mean, that album alone is my favorite. <laughs> it's, mm. it's like my favorite David Bowie album. It's one of my favorite albums, period. Um, and what really resonated with me in that album, it was the first album that I'd heard that was like that. And uh, it really opened up my mind to avant-garde attitude and avant-garde music. Uh, so you know, I got introduced to Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, which uh, <laughs> you maybe have never heard of, but I'm actually
2: familiar with them, and that is about as avant garde as it gets, in my opinion. And it's it's every time you listen, it's I mean, it's a trip. It really is just out mm-hmm. there. But there's there's stuff that I mean, I, I'm I'm I love power metal. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you just named a half dozen of my favorite bands, but at the same time, I think I really have resonated over the years or kind of gone with the prog side of things so i love mm-hmm. prog rock and i love prog metal and all that stuff i mean amongst other things but the reason you know you bring up a, a band like sleepy time gorilla museum that is like the progiest of the prog right that's just it's just all over the place but there's something endearing about it because it's just you 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 have to expect the unexpected so i'm, I'm that's i'm glad you brought them up
0: yeah. I mean, it It brings you into a really unique headspace. And I think that's something that I really like about music is that it can, if, if not bring you into a unique headspace, it can amplify the headspace. <clears throat> and I've played around with this, like <laughs> literally when I have free time, sometimes I'll go for a walk when it's rainy and I'll play the kind of music that goes well with raininess or I'll put on candles eh, with the lights off and I'll listen to tripticon and it just fits so yeah I mean that that kind of orientation toward music being experiential being something that um <clears throat> Can help amplify or explore moods. It's cathartic. It, it helps you to release whatever you're going through. Um, that all kind of started really with David Bowie's album Outside, um, and then uh, just to top it off, you know, uh, music that really resonates with me as well is especially stuff like Motown and jazz. Um, and I think uh, th- Alicia leaving the band was in some ways, a crippling blow um, that has required a lot of effort for us to step out of and reorient ourselves. But I can't deny that it has also presented some fun opportunities, uh, namely being a little bit more involved with the music side of things. And the only reason I bring that up is because I brought up Motown and jazz um, so this next Judicator album is going to have some elements of jazz or maybe not jazz, but maybe big band or mm. I don't know. It I, I feel like we're injecting some elements into Judicator now that you wouldn't have heard previously. And, you know, I, I, I will see this next album as a very interesting uh, process to watch because... You, I, I think most of our fans are going to be totally fine with it and they're going to be like, oh, this is a new direction. But I'll be very curious to see if there is any negative reaction. Um, because, you know, when, when Alicia left the band, we lost like 99% uh, of like our music creating, uh, capabilities or whatever, you know. So, you know, we, we had the conversation. Do we try to continue on writing music that is like, what she had been writing up until this point well if we do that we're like it it could come up not only would it be inauthentic and just aping her style her trademark playing stuff um but i think people would see through it as well and so you know for better or for worse i think the only option was to be authentic and so i don't know i mean Maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Maybe nobody will really care. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, because we're, we're definitely not doing the sort of speed metal stuff that we have played with in the past. It's going more in that avant-garde, more in that uh, progressive direction than I think we've ever gone before. And I'm not saying that we're going to go that way forever, but I think this was a really fun experience um, to take a a, a big... Step in that direction.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can hear the evolution from album to album, and, I, and I'm saying this is a new fan, right? Because admittedly, this was my first exposure, and then I just kind of went all in right, right after uh, at the expense. And I heard the evolution, uh, you know, from album to album. So I think this will be a real gigantic step. But I, I, I guess when you lose essentially the, the the songwriting force behind the band, it's bound mm-hmm. to happen. So it's it now would be the time to kind of take that next leap as opposed to just a step in another direction so i look forward to that uh i was gonna let you get into it at the end but when can we expect the album to uh you know be released
0: that's something i can't talk about yet um we are signed we're signed under prosthetic records um what i can say is that the album will be out this year and what i can say is that uh people who follow us on Patreon will be getting hints earlier and with more depth than the general public. So I <laughs> hate to be a cock tease, but if you want more <laughs> then uh, go follow us on Patreon, Judicator Love metal. It.
2: Yeah. Love it. Um, I look it's, forward to that. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a funny
1: thing about the, the metal listening community is that, um, that there's like, I feel like 50% of them are going to just be, pissed off that something doesn't sound the way that it used to. And then the other 50% are gonna be like, holy crap, I love jazz and blues and different types of elements. Because when you think about it, metal has so much depth. You know, it, it's one of the broadest genres of music because there's there's so many types of it and there's so many influences and there's classical influence and there's jazz influence, blues influence rock influence, um, it just it makes me laugh that some of the fan base can sometimes be so close-minded about what something is supposed to sound like. Um, I'm the type of person who I look forward to something having a different flavor. I mean, hell, one of my favorite albums of all time is Chameleon by Halloween, so... Um, it, doing something different is not necessarily a, a bad thing by any stretch. And, you know, Halloween's done just fine since uh, <laughs> since Pink Bubbles go even chameleon. Came out. So, um, you know, I say uh, all the power to you, so that's exciting. But uh, uh, getting back to the, the album at, at hand, um, you know, unfortunately, what we came to learn in reviewing this album is that conceptually it has a lot to do with the, the death of your brother. And, and, um, to that we, you know, we send out our sincerest, uh, you know, regards and, um, uh, you know, sorry, so sorry for your loss, but what came from that is something that I think is really, um, really like artistically beautiful. Um, so as much as you feel comfortable talking about, um, you know, kind of what happened and how it inspired you, lyrically and musically um, and how like the th- the thematic elements of this album came together through that, you know, through that tragedy.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not uh, shy about talking about it. Um, you know, this, this happened when I was 18 and we wrote this album when I was 24 or 23. Um Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't really have a, strong idea of what we were all about, Judicator, at the time. We had produced uh, King of Rome and Sleepy Plesso, but I think it was just kind of following the natural progression that these two albums happened to be historical concept albums. So as we moved into At the Expense of Humanity, or what would become that album, uh there were no sort of expectations that we produce mostly historical albums so I was like man I don't want to be pegged as a historical band necessarily so I started coming up with this original story and it was kind of like the Hellraiser movies <laughs> mm. be- because the the music that alicia had produce- produced produced <laughs> the the music that Alicia had produced for this uh album was so melancholic and moody. And so, you know, my mind first went to this set of ideas and it, like I said, felt kind of like Hellraiser. Um, But as time went on and as I developed that story and I did develop, like I had the song titles, I had started on lyrics but it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel, uh, I don't know. It it just didn't feel right. So I don't know how I got the idea. I mean, when I go to write lyrics, you know, talking about headspace and being in the right mood or whatever, I have to, uh, separate myself for like at least an hour at a time if I'm going to work on lyrics. So I'll, uh, whether it's lock myself in a room or go for a drive and do it on my laptop. This time I was doing it at the library. And, uh, the idea just came to me because there were things that there were things about the, uh, the, the series of events. You know, there were things about my brother dying that I had not really grappled with that. I had not really processed, and I don't know what, I think it was God's failures that first track. And I just had the idea. I don't know. It it just, whether it came uh, uh, to me or through me uh, or from me, but I I just ended up pursuing that idea. I thought, wow, this is something that um, not only to my knowledge, I don't think it's ever been done that kind of a concept album. I could be wrong, but I don't, I, I don't know if that's ever been done. Um, but on top of that, I was like, man, I am, <laughs> I, I was learning things about myself and the situation, um, because there was so much that i had swept under the rug. Um, so I think it was for me personally, just a very valuable experience as, uh, uh, processing and working through what happened. And I'm, I'm glad that it went that way because, you know, not that my original concept wouldn't have been fun. It would have been fun and it would have been neat and it would have fit with the music, but it certainly, I do not think would have been as impactful of an album. And it, especially like, it gets me emotional sometimes, uh, because people sometimes will get messages or comments about people who have, gone through their own experiences. I just had a guy, you guys did your uh, your podcast on this and we posted it on Facebook and I'm not going to name names, but this guy shared that his little boy died mm. and he was listening to the album. Like, and I, I I didn't have a conversation with him. I don't know what his experience or uh, relationship to the album was, but he had positive things to say. And, you know, I've gotten those comments and messages uh, periodically ever since the album was released. And so it means the world to me that this album still has relevance. And I think that's because it's something that everybody is going to be touched by in one way or another at some point in their life. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be cancer, it could be, you know, whatever, any number of horrible ailments that we or our family goes through but um you know i have heard that this album is a bummer to listen to uh uh you know uh fair enough uh you know it's it's not an album that you want to listen to uh unless you're in the mood for it for sure um but you know it has its place and like i was saying earlier you know you put on the candles and you listen to trypticon or you go listen to uh you know, depeche mode when it's raining. You know, I, I don't know what you would do for at the expense of humanity, but I think there's a place for it in your discography. Um Yeah. You
2: know, you're you're so right. And people actually reached out to us with the same um I guess emotion behind the album and the lyrics because, uh, we, when we were, you we know, once, once I had listened to the album a number of times, that's when I start doing, you know, my research and kind of learning mm-hmm. a little bit about the band and, and, and what was going on at the time. So obviously I, I wasn't prepared, I guess, with the first listener to until I really kind of dove deep into it. But, the, I mean, even the comments on your, your, uh, your bandcamp page, I mean, it, it cl- it's, it's clear that this just resonated with people at a level that was unlike anything that you had done before. And quite frankly, unlike many bands ever achieve because it was just, it, it was operating at a whole different level, uh, you know, as compared to most because not that there isn't thought put into lyrics. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that this is particularly, Uh, thoughtful and something that resonates with everyone at some point in their lives.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I put, I I don't want to put myself on a pedestal. I'm proud of what I do. I put a lot of work into what I do. So don't take any of this as like I'm high and mighty or anything, but I've put a lot more effort into my lyrics than what a lot of other vocalists do. I think. Um, And I have been a big fan of a lot of bands that have lyrics that are really, you know really, you know yeah, I, I don't know how much thought went into them. Yeah. the yeah. the one example that I'll bring up just because it was something that I noticed it was like, man, I love the band Gravedigger, but I, there was a time where I was listening to them, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, i I don't yeah, want to say I, we, negative things, but yeah, so I'm I, like,
2: listen. I get it. We've, we've all been there where there's, I mean, the music can be fantastic, can enjoy, can enjoy the songs, but you stop and you kind of pause and you realize that there's not a lot of depth behind the, the spoken parts or the, or the, or the parts that are being, you know, sung o- over the music. And to me, and I, I speak for myself, it actually takes me out of certain albums, uh, even albums that I may have loved 10 or 15 years ago, just because I, I just cannot relate to to some of the concepts or or lack thereof in certain cases that that that's going on um so to me the the better albums or or the best albums are the ones where you it's that perfect marriage between the concepts the lyrical concepts or the lyrical uh themes combined with obviously that music which is either melodic or catchy or serves whatever purpose is trying to to come across to the listener
0: yeah and I Uh, On the other end of things, it's like with our album, Let There Be Nothing, that album's approach. Well, so The Last Emperor was an album where it was like, let's keep it fast and brisk and fun. And, you know, it talks about some heavy stuff in that album. But uh, the approach is more like, hell yeah, you know? Right. right. Um, And so with Let There Be Nothing, we wanted to take... The approach where it's like, let's just sit back and wherever the song goes, it goes. And so there's longer songs. Um, and what I wanted to do with that album is because there were eight tracks, I wanted to fit the album into an eight act story structure, um, which is another thing that I don't think anybody has ever done. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the eight act story structure for film, that is. Um But, so, that being said, it's like, okay, I wanted to put the movie of Belisarius to music, and how do you do that with, like, an A, B, A, B, like, repeating uh, verses or pre-choruses? Like, if you have a standard song, you have a verse one, pre-chorus, chorus, chorus, verse two, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, and then... Chorus and maybe an outro. So you have verse one, verse two, pre-chorus, chorus, chorus, and maybe the bridge and everything else repeats. So you can't communicate a lot of information with that. Um, So, you know, Let There Be Nothing really goes all in with not a lot of repetition uh, lyrically. Um, and that's been criticized uh, a little bit, you know, and fair enough. It's it's uh, again, let there be nothing is is a, a very particular kind of album. It's not for everybody, but th- so that being said, all of this being said is. Uh, there's a time for Let There Be Nothing. There's a time for at the expense of humanity. There's a time for butt rock. There's a time for <laughs> right. the hokey pokey. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't eat at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse every night, you know. You sometimes you gotta have meatloaf and mashed potatoes or a cheeseburger.
2: There's right.
0: nothing against any of that. It's just um you can't be super high minded all the time, you know? So I I realize there's a a place for everything, and in our case, that tends to be on an album-per-album basis as opposed to a song-by-song basis. That's one of the things we actually often talk about on the show. It's, It's, you know,
2: at least with me especially, I cannot listen to the same genre, never mind the same artist, but I can't listen to the same genre more than one or two albums in a row because I just lose focus and I'm not into it like I otherwise would be so when i'm i I wind up going from like i said prog rock to black metal to power metal to jazz to classic i mean i bounce around all to to green day i mean I'll, i'll bounce around all over the place um but i think by bouncing around it makes certain elements of these albums really pop for me and i just i think that that it's that variety which really i think also helps the better albums kind of rise to the top if you will just because it, when when they stand out in that kind of a uh, you know in that kind of a variety um, it's usually because there's something special going on and at least that's how kind of my approach to listening uh, but I, I wanted to ask specifically when it came to at the expense and perhaps just in general with your songwriting uh, or I should say your lyrics, When you have a piece of music and you're writing lyrics, obviously, that go along with a a certain uh, composition, what I, one of the, one of the things that I found to be exceptional uh, on this album was your ability to kind of use your voice as another instrument. It wasn't just there, but it was almost like your voice as an instrument, or at least that's how I heard it. Did you write the lyrics kind of with your voice in mind as an instrument? Because some of your phrasing, I, cannibalistic mind comes to the forefront and that song really popped for me just because of your phrasing during those choruses. I loved it. And the reason I asked the question is I, I just wanted to know, is that something that, I mean, I know that you didn't write the music per se, but you, I would think that you had some influence there just in terms of the recording process, because um, I, I can't imagine that that was written for you. I feel like you had to inject your own s- tweaks to, to, to the music that was presented, I guess is my point.
0: Yeah, um I mean you bring up cannibalistic mind I think of that you're fading away. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's I mean th- there's and, and and stuff like that that permeates the entire album but to me it's just so um I I I remarkable or I guess is is, is a word I would use or another word that I would use is just so noteworthy that like Mm-hmm. There's, your thumbprint is clearly on this, and I just wanted to know if it, it was something that like was a conscious decision, or if you were just presented with this, you know, masterpiece, then you just kind of had to stamp your, you know, stamp your your two cents on.
0: Not to be uh, fancy pants or pretentious or anything, but I don't like there. It was lightning in a bottle. I think mm. there wasn't a lot of methodical thinking on my part it was just really following what i wanted to express first and foremost and then uh what i think the song called for and uh i think that is such a, a fantastic album i mean you you said that it was a masterpiece like even before i came on and i agree like that album it it struck the balance musically um, on its own, uh, so many, I forget what I was saying. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love using my voice as an instrument or in unorthodox ways. I mean that, uh, harsh vocal section that I made fun of in uh, cannibalistic mind, I was starting to get into protest the hero. And Mm. I was like, how do you do that? I think it's called a fry scream, and uh I've played around with it. I haven't mastered it. I'm hoping to. Uh I just need to dedicate the time and effort. But I, I I was trying my hand at doing something like that. And so good uh good on him, Carlos Alvarez, our engineer for that album, he managed to make what I produced sound good. <laughs> It's, sonically, it sounds
2: fantastic. Do you Mm -hmm. have any favorite tracks that kind of resonate with you or or tracks that you look back are like kind of your favorites as as you, you know, I mean, we're not going back that far, but you've obviously, you have a third album that's coming out since then, you know, this year, but what tracks just jump out at you at this point that you say, wow, we, we really kind of hit it out of the park with this one?
0: Um, My favorites, I would say, are My Fantasy Destroyed, Lucid Nightmare, and Nemesis Fratricide. Mm. My Fantasy Destroyed, just because that was the first time that I was presented with music that I didn't have an easy answer to, in terms of like, what the hell am I going to do with this? Mm. That uh, That verse i'm like i had to work on that a lot of the times when it's like it's like okay you can be like hey man you go and it's like it's it's it comes to you fairly easy because it's a fairly straightforward riff but I don't know, that that verse, those verses in My Fantasy Destroyed were challenging, and I'm very happy with how it came out. It's very unorthodox. Like I when I think of the song, I'm like, how does the chorus go again? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I immediately think of the verses. And the beep ba, boo hit a, ba, beat a boo, de, boo, boo, boo. Um, it's definitely an unorthodox song. Uh, Lucid Nightmare, I'm just incredibly happy with because this is one that had a lot of thought put into it musically, but also lyrically and, uh, with the vocal arrangements, uh, working with Paul black, who I don't know what he's doing these days. He's not on Facebook anymore, but he was in a black metal band called turned to stone. So, uh, look that up if you're really curious and you enjoy his work on at the expense of humanity. But, uh, you know, that like, why do, buddly do, ah, do, dudly do, like, that was so much fun to arrange and to see come together. And, uh, Nemesis Fratricide, I just loved how this is the first time I think that we consciously integrated a, uh, a callback, like a self-conscious wink and a nod, um, with that last part where it's like, pass the light, remember the fallen. Oh no, that's, how long can you live forever we do two nods but this this allusion mm. to king of rome uh nemesis fratricide also has that vicious r- main riff that i love yes
2: yeah that uh, great answer and uh i hope that as you guys you know kind of get on the road again that you'll keep some of this stuff in the set list because i know that uh, people are kind of clamoring to, to hear some of this stuff live myself included so uh we look forward to that um as as we kind of I guess, look ahead. uh, What else can we, you know, expect from, you know, your work and, and obviously the band
0: itself. um, What does the future hold? Um, We have finished this new album that is going to come out sometime this year. um, And we're exceptionally happy with that. Um, I have not ever been so involved with the production of an album. So, If anything, I'm just really happy that it came out so good, despite how incredibly difficult it was. Mm. It's the hardest experience I've had producing an album because it's the first time I've been in the driver's seat. Um, But yeah, so uh, really, I mean, this year we're focusing on um, releasing the album. We want to produce a couple of music videos for the album here in a month or two. Um, we put a lot of effort into our Patreon and we're going to continue putting effort into our Patreon. Um, so, you know, shameless plug, definitely check us out. Look us up on Patreon, uh, if you have to patreon.com slash judicator metal. Um, but yeah, so there, there's that we're really just trying to establish a, what would you say? like a foundation for the band because we want to turn this into a small business as best we can. You know, we're tired of uh, seeing the red. We want to see the black on our accounting books. Um, So, so we're working on ways to turn this into more of a viable small business because you know, you, why suffer for your art if you don't have to, (laughs) if you can have your cake and eat it too, why not? So uh, that's where our focus is right now. Um, In terms of next year, we definitely have plans to hit the West Coast of the United States. But I'll tell you, it has been so many years that we've had people from the East Coast saying, please, when, when? And we keep saying, don't worry, it'll be soon. Don't worry, it'll be soon. And the can keeps getting kicked down the road. So what I will say is that there is, is a performance next year that we are committed to, which uh, will, uh, you know, us us touring to that location and back just makes sense. So we're, we're going to be doing at least a, a one, le- one week little run to and from that show. So people on the West Coast will have an opportunity to see us live. But after that, we owe Prosthetic another album before the end of the year. So 2024 will be the next Judicator album. But uh, all of this being said is that after we finish that little tour run that I'm talking about, East coast is in the target sites. There's no more talking about it. There's no more uh, kicking the can down the road. It's put up or shut up. We got to do it. So I'll just say that, the East coast is high on our list. If I'm being conservative and conservative is generally where things end up falling. Uh, I would say 2024. Um, so, uh, uh, I, I, would say spam and petition metal festivals on the East coast, or at least in the Midwest to get judicator, because if we have a festival offer or something like that, Hey, Hey, You've got our attention, okay? And like, like you know, it doesn't make sense for us to just go out and play one festival show. You know, we're we're gonna lose our ass on that one. Right. So if we're gonna do a festival, it makes more sense to tour out and then tour back. So uh, if you want to get us there sooner, just be our minions <laughs> and, and push push the band. Spam bug 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 bug.
2: <laughs> it, it goes, uh, it goes a long way. Uh, we, we, uh, selfishly look forward to, uh, to that, you know, East Coast run just because getting out to the West Coast, a little difficult for us, but we can, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where the dates fall. But, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know that this, um, you know, I, I'm sure talking about this, particular album because of the circumstances surrounding you know the the inspiration everything has got to be difficult but we, we we appreciate you opening up and and kind of letting us you know letting our listeners in on a little bit of what was going on behind the scenes
0: yeah i'm really happy that you asked me um i'm very happy to have done it and like i said you know this is a special album and i just hope that people can continue to resonate with it and get something out of it for years to come.
1: Yeah. In closing, I just would like to say that um, this is one of those albums that I think um, kind of, you know, this is going to be our, this interview is going to be our 88th episode that we've done. And some of the albums that we've discussed are really heady. Like, you know, we think of the edge by eternity X um, operation, mind crime, Uh, you know, there's just these um, really deep, you know, whether it's just a really great story or it's like, you know, the edge is just a lot of like really heady type stuff. And so so is this uh, album at the expense of of humanity. And I think that um, those albums, I think, give us the most to talk about because especially for us, we're not musicians and we've never (laughs) pretended to be. Um, So for us to talk about um, like... You know, musical terminology and things like that. It's not really our forte, even though I used the musical terminology just now um, (laughs) by saying forte. Please ignore that. Um, You know, sometimes just things that are going to resonate more with us are probably going to be lyrical or thematic, just because that's something that we can wrap our heads around a little bit more than how somebody, you know, can make an arpeggio happen on their guitar or, or make a drum fill happen or whatever so I mean uh, that's why I'm glad that this album was brought to, to our attention because I think that it, instead of just saying like hey you know the guitars were good and the drums were good and the vocals were good we have more to talk about um, you know with a, with a deeper meaning and, and you know an especially personal one in this case so um, I for one and I think Justin would echo this uh, we're going to be paying close attention to what uh judicator has done in the past that we've haven't listened to yet and uh what they'll be doing in in the future and um I'm, i'm excited to hear this this new uh this next evolution of the of the band so um
0: yeah i i would say well first off thank you so much for how thoughtful and uh you know, attentive or whatever, like the, the attention and thought that you've put into uh, everything, you know, I, I appreciate it. This is a really pleasant kind of conversation. This is like the kind of conversation that I think is ideal for talking about this album, but I would say that the, the next album that we are going to be releasing this year is closest in theme and in musical style to at the expense of humanity and there might just be a few connections conceptually so if you wanted to have me back on after you guys have had time to ingest the new album to process it or whatever i would be curious to have your thoughts and see what thoughts you have if any about the new album and where it fits in this uh this whole broader conversation or this whole like thematic landscape that we're we're inhabiting right now um so yeah,
1: that would that would be awesome. And I'd like to think that by that time we'll have a, a much bigger appreciation for the entire discography. I mean, I know Justin went back and listened to some of the other albums I haven't had a chance to, but I, I plan on doing so. Um, and then that way you know we can speak as as you know people who have a broad sense of everything the band's done from from day one on the newest. Album, so that would be that would be great. We would love that.
0: Yeah, it's humbling. Um, I for for you or anybody who's listening, I would say check out. You know, it, because you're listening to this, you may want to check out at the expense of humanity first. If you do that, just understand, not all of our music is that depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, the next most palatable album is probably going to be The Last Emperor. And if you like that, then you'll probably have an appreciation for Let There Be Nothing. And then if you like, check out our first two albums. You can tell that we were a garage band at the time. We were uh, we, we were not yet uh, able financially or just technically to produce the kinds of albums that we have now. So just understand the first two albums, uh, we our starting out albums also, uh, uh, because I, I didn't want to forget, um, you brought up that this is the 88th episode. I just think that's funny. Me being the kind of, uh, uh, nerdy esoteric kind of person. I am, I think, wow, eight is my favorite number and this is 88. So it's my favorite number times two And uh, it's about probably the most impacting album of my life. So I think that this is uh, quite serendipitous as well.
1: I love it. I I don't think we
0: could. uh, I don't think we could end it any
1: better than that. That's that's beautiful. Thank (laughs) you. Make our jobs easy.
2: Thank you, uh, thank you, John, so much for the time. We look forward to having you back. Uh, you know, before the end of the year, once we've had a chance to to digest the new uh, the new masterpiece, and uh, we uh, wish you nothing
0: but the best of luck and success uh, going forward. Likewise, Justin, Chris, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you.